Welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. The Disability Management Employer Coalition, or DMEC as we're known by most people, provides focused education, knowledge, and networking opportunities for absence and disability management professionals. DMEC has become a leading voice in the industry and represents more than 16,000 professionals from organizations of all sizes across the United States and Canada. This podcast series will focus on industry perspectives and provide the opportunity to delve more deeply into issues that affect DMEC members and the community as a whole. We're thrilled to have you with us and hope you will visit us at dmec.org to get a full picture of what we have to offer from webinars and publications to conferences, certifications, and much more. Let's get started and meet the people behind the processes. Hi, we're glad you're listening. I'm Heather Grimshaw, Communications Manager for DMEC, and we're talking about how employers can design programs that help employees who are experiencing illness or have an injury stay at work and return to work as soon as possible. This is a concept that is foundational to DMEC, And we've asked Kristen Jones, DMEC Director of Education Programs, and Jess Dudley, DMEC Education Manager, to join us and provide context on this important issue. So jumping right into our questions here, how or can a solid return-to-work program help employers partner differently with employees as well as healthcare providers to help employees stay at work whether that's remote or in the office, and return from a disability-related leave when it is safe to do so. Kristen, would you kick us off here, and then we'll ask Jess to chime in? Hi, Heather. Absolutely. So I think a solid return-to-work program really puts the North Star and the guardrails around our processes for when we have an employee experiencing an event. And I think those things are both really important. I think you want the guardrails in place. You want to make sure, you know, with, especially when you get all the details of, you know, an employee is coming to you, they're nervous or, or upset sometimes, or there's just a lot going on and there's a lot of information coming. There's also the work, you know, you've got the, the manager, the operations folks trying to make sure and and worrying about, are things going to get done? How are we doing this? There's the other cases that are going, there's just a lot. And so having those guardrails in place to make sure we don't get to, we don't, we don't fall off the path on what we really need to be doing with managing this claim, supporting the employee, um, giving them the tools and the resources to stay at work if we can, or at least having those right conversations to discern whether or not that's an option and to go through these processes consistently, um, but also case by case, which is a hard thing to manage. And so those guardrails are important for that. And then that North Star to kind of help us, you know, remember what we're all doing this for, what we're working toward, and and kind of that that guiding principle of our our corporate strategy or our organizational um, kind of values and strategy, and then also our absence and disability management strategy. I mean, we talk a lot about the importance of having um, strategy around these things so that we're not um, just doing them more one-off. There's a kind of a consistent feel, uh, an undertone for what we're doing and a a unification in our program. Um, And so I think that those things are important to have in that process to help make this really smooth and seamless for everyone. I think it makes it easier for the practitioners in our space 
and it also creates a better experience for the employee. So I think um, from the very beginning, having a return to work program in place impacts everything because it can really keep an employee at work. I think that's a misconception around return to work is just about bringing someone back when they've been out, but it really can prevent an absence um, in the first place. And that's why we have training and education like we do here at DMEC around return to work programs and um, how just providing the tools and the resources to help an employer put one in place and and manage one and, and talking about the importance of it as well. But we provide a lot of resources around that because of how critical it is. I think like a return to work program, it's all about providing information. So whether you're providing information to the employee, you know, setting expectations, communicate, 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 or if it's the provider and letting them know, hey, we can accommodate this and this is how we can do it. Um, it might result in a less restrictive restriction from a provider if they know that you as the employer invested just as much as they are to help that employee. So I think having that built into your return to work process um, is an important thing. And um, just having individuals know where to go look for information and then having a strong interactive process, because that could play an important role to start it early and have the discussion often. Just to piggyback on what Jess said, I loved her point around the communication and that it seems so fundamental, but that's such a big part of these return to work programs is that communication. And it makes me think of, um, I had a boss one time when I was an HR manager and I learned so much from him. But one of the things that just really stuck with me was just, it was about communication generally in, in our programs and the things we were doing and, and just things with the employees. And he said, if you don't control the message, the message controls you, meaning don't, wait thinking, you know, you, this feels uncomfortable. People aren't going to be happy about it. It's not good news, whatever. And, and kind of wait to see what gets out there, but you get out ahead of it first and you set the tone and set the message. And I think that's so true with these return to work programs. If we don't get out there and communicate these things, what the re, what we can accommodate, what we can do, some maybe alternate positions we have available, you know, those things that Jess was mentioning. I mean, that's just one aspect of the communication, but if if we don't own that messaging, we lose our voice in that. Then, you know, the employees don't always know what we're able and willing to do. Most of our employees aren't out on leave r- routinely. I mean, we all know there's some <laughs> who are. But thinking about the majority, you know, that's not the the average employee's journey with us. Um, and so this is new to them. And so we need to get them the information and short of us doing that and also getting their practitioner information, they're going to go on assumptions and rumors. So that communication is really important. That's a great point that that concept of controlling the message and setting the tone, because especially with these types of absences, to your point, Kristen, there is a lot of anxiety and concern and people do write their own story if they're not provided with that message. So would you guys say that most employers look at leave as part of the employment process or is this concept more of a recent development? Jess, I'm going to kick this over to you uh, to get us started here, and then we'll ask Kristen to weigh in. Sure. I feel like leave is kind of in a, it's in a constant iteration of improvement. Um, so it would make sense to me that it it's going to start building or it may be already included in some employee 
employment um, processes. There's a wide variety of technology that's now available. It can help automate information that's provided so it can push it out there in front of the employee um, proactively and start helping them with their issues. It can centralize it in, in one spot and provide that message that's going to be whether you've talked to a supervisor, you look it up online, or you have an accommodation expert, it's all one message. It's all there, and it can be heard, you know, the same. And then it's going to help to streamline some administrative tasks that'll allow them to have more time for these interactions. So I think that just with some of that help, um, the, the time saving that technology can provide, that it does allow for employers um, to get ahead of it and, um, provide some of that just-in-time information and build it into some of their processes. I love how, um, Jess, you framed that up as, as being an iterative process, you know, the absence and disability. It really is. You know, you think about where we came from, even just when the FMLA was signed in the early 90s. And then, you know, it's come so far in the way we have looked in our industry. The the situations and events that we allow leave for the just the culture around what we do it has changed and evolved so much um and i think jess is right there are a lot more tools at our disposal to help us build that in help us build those processes into um the employment process, the, you know, we have information readily available in most cases and most organizations for our employees that say, if and when you need to leave, this is, these are your resources. Here's your information. We understand and, and talk about and teach the value of employees, not only having human resources to get that information from, but being able to just kind of research it on their own. Maybe they're in the early stages of considering a surgery or they know they're looking into family planning for their family and, and want to kind of see what's out there, but aren't ready yet to have conversations. Like we've kind of built these things in more as far as an overall concept of leave being a part of the employment process. I think that's newer in the evolution or in the, the iterations for this industry, as far as I don't know that, and, and I'm a, handful of years now removed from being a practitioner since I've been with DMEC for several years. But um, I, I think we were still looking at absence and, you know, disability leaves and things like that as, as an event, but not as a, this is going to be a part of your employment life cycle with us. I think we're seeing that evolve um, as far as the actual culture we're building around it and the conversation. But uh, that was kind of my thought or my perspective from being six or seven years removed from being in that seat. Um, but I think that goes hand in hand with the overall culture that we are setting and evolving for our workplaces um, in the absence and disability management specific area. Um, and, and in just a lot of ways that we're interacting with our employees, but I don't know, just what was your experience with that? Did you typically consider leave as just this, this will happen and, and it's a part of your life cycle with us, or was it more of a event focused? Our program was more event focused when I was a practitioner, um, handling a caseload, um, and you handle a gamut of, it could have been their first leave and they had been employed with you for 20 years. It could have been their 10th leave and they've been employed with you for five years. 
yeah, definitely more event focused. And I think too, you know, we have return to work has always been a big focus in our training and education at DMEC. Um, you know, we have a lot of resources for return to work to help employers um, build a program, maintain a program. We also put out a return to work micro credential course this year that that was a really big lift and and actually was one of the bigger courses that we put out and and the development time for that, I think it was a lot longer um, just to really get that arranged in a way that really would help a, a practitioner or a manager really kind of structure a program, everything from understanding the basics of it to building the business case to get buy-in and support for it to, to how to structure that and, and how to monitor it and measure it. Uh, there's just so much there that I think, I think it really resonates because this is such an important part of our employees' life cycles. It is, you know, if you think about it in some form or another, most employees are going to have at least one leave in their time um, working. And so it makes sense to look at it that way. And it makes sense to have a program that is really robust and strategic and and approaches it like that. So I, I think think that's a really valuable tool to help someone who might be hearing this and saying, gosh, these programs in this outlook and this culture, it does make a lot of sense. But how do we get that foundation under us to do that? Because it is a big lift. Um, there are resources out there. And, and that's just one of them that I'd certainly recommend. We hear DMEC speakers as well as authors talk about opportunities for employers to partner differently with employees as well as healthcare providers to ensure they know about accommodations that can help employees stay at work and return to work as soon as possible. I'm hoping, Kristen, that you can kick us off here in terms of what those opportunities might look like and as well as if this is part of that evolution that you mentioned earlier, or if this is kind of one of those traditional or foundational elements to uh, absence and disability management. Sure, I'd be happy to. And I think there are several um, challenges with it. Even, you know, some of it is just kind of understanding a, a new culture around this. But I think one of the bigger challenges that I don't think is going to be a shocker for anyone that's not going to blow anyone's hair back, but time and resources is always a struggle. I mean, we continually do more with less, and that's across all industries, across all organizations. It's just kind of um, an expectation, but it's it does make it or it can make it challenging to really focus in on some of those details, you know, managing a, a job bank of restricted um, duties or um, alternate assignments and that communication with managers and the employee and helping make sure we're getting information to and from practitioners, that all takes a lot of time. So that can be challenging. And just mentioned technology earlier, that's a huge help. So I think, I, I don't, really see it as much now, but I think earlier on, as we saw technology come into play more, there was maybe a little bit of concern that is, is the goal here to replace jobs? And that's not it. It's to make it, um, 
to where we can have the people focused on where there's really going to be the value add from that human interaction, from that um, more critical decision making. So if we can use technology to maybe manage some of the processes for maybe an uncomplicated um, claim, if we can use our technology there and then focus our human efforts on things like managing these processes um, to really make a robust program, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, really just overall that time and resources to do that is, I think, a, a huge struggle for folks. What do you, what do you think, Jess? Oh, I completely agree. Time and time investment resources, um, yeah, all play a huge role. Um, I do find that there are, there's a there's a bit of confusion or there could be pain points um, related as well. Um, I would kind of throw that under the maybe under-informed or misinformed um, supervisors and managers. Now, the under-informed, I always preferred. They're going to come and ask the questions of you and, and get the answers. The misinformed, sometimes it's very innocent that they're hanging onto a policy that is now 10 or 15 years old and policies have evolved. So um, they may be basing responses to employee questions on old documentation. And, and un unfortunately, that sometimes can be a pain point as well. Um, and then uh, just for support, um, supportive supervisors, I think is really important um, to have. You know, they can come in an employee. If you don't have a supportive supervisor, they might expect an employee to pick up right where they left off productivity goals, let's go, service levels, right where they should be, stamina, full day for you. And, you know, we need to understand that employees, when they're coming back, they might need some time to build up those productivity goals or their service levels might need a little polish on them. They've been off for a little bit and stamina might not be 100% yet. They're there and they're making the effort. So I think um, extending grace to employees um, is an important thing to do. And when it's not done, could become a pain point as well. That's so true. They also just set the culture and the tone around that as well. Like yeah. when we can set all the policies we want, but at the end of the day, if your manager feels like your kind of footing at work is in jeopardy, if you go out for a surgery you're probably thinking twice about scheduling that surgery and putting it off as long as you can until honestly, you're going to end up being out longer because you put it off. And we know medical things don't usually just resolve themselves in that, at least things of that nature. Um, it tends to get worse. So, I mean, it can compound problems when people don't have a culture where they feel like they can take leave. And to Jess's point, the the supervisors and managers really are the gatekeeper in a lot of instances to getting that information. And, you know, that sometimes that misinformation, like Jess said, I love that you brought up the old policies. I have 100% had supervisors pull out a policy that is literally over a decade old and like, but this and I'm like but that is from you know a long time ago that's not current but gosh do they hang on to that stuff and so do the employees so sometimes the employees have misperceptions around what our policies are around some of these things and um yeah having the supervisors and managers engaged supportive and informed is is so critical that's a really good one Jess 
So approach seems to make a really important difference here. Um, One of the articles in our healthcare and wellness issue of DMEC's At Work magazine focuses on the danger of employers not distinguishing between a holiday leave and a disability-related or medical-related leave and how this affects and can disenfranchise employees. Jess, you touched on this a little bit earlier, and I'm hoping that you'll share some thoughts on this and talk a little bit about how employers can reassess and retool their approaches to potentially see different results. Sure. I think one approach um, that's extremely helpful is just to encourage managers and supervisors or and well, everyone really in the process to just be more human you know, offer to help employees, you know, get support if you notice they're having an issue. Um, Don't ignore the signs that are there. So if an employee is struggling or if an employee is coming back, you know, from a leave, um, this is a new disability to them. They might not be 100% of what they were and they might not ever be 100% of what they were. So kind of give them that time to adjust to their new normal and then be cognizant of their feelings and, and, and extend some grace. I mean, if I was coming back and, um, for example, I had broken my wrist and when I came back, my finger dexterity wasn't exactly where it where I wanted it to be or where it used to be. And I was frustrated with that. And frustration can cause people to sometimes be short-tempered, might be a little depressed, could get angry easier, you know, just to be cognizant of there's kind of an adjustment period when you're coming back from being out injured or having a procedure done or lack of sleep with a new baby, you know, all of those things. And, uh, I think those things are important to keep keep in mind. Mm-hmm. I think too the a big differentiator for employees who are out on a leave versus, um, you know, uh, being out on a holiday or whatever is you are the only one out in this instance. So versus like you know we have here at DMC like we have a holiday closure at the end of the year where the office is closed, we're all out. So we're all kind of coming back and adjusting back at the same time. Things have been projects and things have been paused while we're out. We didn't, we didn't really lose a step in the things that were happening as we all come back together. Whereas if I'm out on a leave, you know, things are still happening. Processes are still evolving. I maybe don't have the updated information about this, you know, company announcement or this policy or program change and what was going on. So you're getting up to speed and you feel disoriented and quite frankly, kind of left behind. Um, and, and that can be disorienting when you come back and it can make you feel like you're kind of othered from everyone else. There's an in-group and an out-group and you're now suddenly in the out-group because you're not in the know on these things and what's happening. In addition to just trying to get your stride back, you've had a major event while you were out, whether it was you personally with a a medical or something like that, or as a caregiver, you know, you had a big disruptor in your life. And that is not something that you just turn off when you go back to work. So I think recognizing those differences and that kind of gradual ramp up and build back, like what Jess was saying, I think is, is really important. And and just coming at it from a supportive perspective, I think, is really valuable there. And I think sometimes employees, when they're coming back, they're 
you know, they may have gone off work very abruptly when they hadn't had time to prepare. And now I've let my coworkers down and are they going to be happy with me? And oh my gosh, I left them with so much work and we're going to be short. And it, there's a lot of fear, I think, that can come with employees when they're coming back. So I, I agree. It's just letting them have that time to catch up and get reacquainted kind of with everything that's going on is important. And I think formalizing that process is important, too, because if you think about the people who took on that work while they were gone, understandably, they are ready to say and not out of any malintent or or being unsympathetic, but everyone has a lot on their plates. And so they see a person walk through the door that they're doing work for and they say, great, here's those three tasks back that I have been doing in your absence And it's like, whoa, 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 like there needs to be a gradual ramp up for that person because it's just needed to assimilate back into the workplace. But if someone doesn't manage that, understandably, the employees left to their own devices are going to be like, no, they're back. I don't I don't need I don't have those tasks anymore. They're not mine. So that really needs to be structured for everyone involved so that there's not tension around that. People know what's happening and it, it's controlled. Yeah, it kind of goes back to setting the expectation and then communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think that's great. It sort of brings us full circle. And I think, Jess, you mentioned uh, ensuring that people extend grace and reminding everyone in the process that we're all human and there are going to be needs for ramp up periods, whether that's modified duties or transitional work and having, as Kristen mentioned, everything formalized in that return to work slash stay at work process policy seems to be a key component to success. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time today to shed some light on this and provide context. The fact that both of you have played these roles or been in these roles makes such an important difference. So thank you both. Thank you for having us. If you're interested in learning more about return to work programs, check out DMEC's new Building a Return to Work Program micro-credential course, which provides a holistic approach to creating and managing a program that effectively returns employees to work after an injury or illness. Five interactive modules feature real-life scenarios, knowledge checks, and a robust resource guide to provide you with information needed to prepare, implement, and monitor a return to work program. Learn more at www.dmec.org forward slash microcredential courses. We've also included this link in the notes section of this episode.